Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook Em Up, 1019, AM 1260, The Horn. Certainly does. Shotgun Willie launching the fabulous fifth hour, and we always try to start the fifth hour with some good news. How about this young guy, Rod? Seventh grader J.J. Franks. What do you do? J.J. Franks at a high school basketball game. They did a uh, halftime challenge. Kid had to make a layup, a free throw, a three-pointer, and a half-court shot in 25 seconds. And he did it for 10 grand. Won 10 okay. grand. 10 Gs. Seventh grader. Nice. J.J. Franks, Bishop Ryan Catholic School in Minot, North Dakota. Uh, There's a video of it right here. And he had to go in order? Yeah, he had to go layup. Layup, free throw. Free throw, three-pointer, and then half-court. Okay. And obviously the half-court is the biggest of the challenges. And oh, yeah. Kid drained us. Man, drained a half court. You know, oh, he gets man. one shot at this thing. Oh, he threw it like a baseball, too. He got to get it there. Oh, that is so money. The place goes crazy. He's got to get it there, like, man. Like, fans are – this is like halftime. Fans are running onto the court. They stormed the court for the seventh grader. They should have. Man, getting a half court shot, he ain't stiff. That's tough. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, what are the odds of that? That's what I want to see. What's the odds of you being able to hit all the three of those – or four of those, I mean? That's well, tough. First three, the odds are pretty good if you're a decent, but you're for, for a seventh well, grader. You think the odds are pretty good? What do you think people's three point percentage is? Just a regular jabroni. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you're really good on the, on the, on really at the layup. You're easy. He looks like free, a pretty good little ball player. He plays some hoop. Layup and free throw. Oh, good form for, on the free throw. Layup and free throw for a hooper. You got that, all right? You practice those. That's part of your fundamentals. The three point shot, even for it. the good ones, yeah. that ain't no guarantee. What are you, what are you probably 35, 40% three point shooter? And then you go to half court, which gives you what? You had a 5% chance yeah. to make that or potentially? Yeah. 10 grand. Damn. Invest wisely, young man. No. Put, that in, put that in a. Well, you got to pay taxes on it first. He'll learn the first lesson. Uncle Sam will be like. Seventh grader? You did good. Now I need. Oh, yeah. Uncle Sam will take money out every damn Come thing. on, man. Put, Uncle, Uncle Sam will put that in the bank. Leave it there. Uncle Sam I'm going to take a piece of that. You know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's part of your first lesson, son. Way to go, JJ. Yeah, it is. That's amazing. Nice work by you, young man. Uh, North Dakota. Swag. I like how, about, how about a high school putting up ten grand? Yeah, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> too. Well, they probably didn't think he was going to make it. I know. Either well, the chances of him making that half court shot, or trust me, somebody somewhere was going, "Oh no!" I didn't think he was actually going to make it. That's that's good stuff. Man. Somebody out there was disappointed. Like, damn it, I had to put up that ten G's. Who was it over the weekend at the? Uh, was it Zalatoris? One of the guys on the PJ Tour hit a hole in one over the weekend at the event in Los Angeles, Ooh. and he and his caddy both won a brand new Genesis. So every time you get a hole in one in any tournament, you get a prize just associated with the hole in one. Typically, or? yeah. Oh, nice. But you also right if you're playing at the club, you got to buy everybody drinks. No, no, whoa, whoa! I hit the hole in one. Yeah, but that, yeah. Why do I have to buy everybody else drinks? Because I hit the hole in one. My skill. Why am I? I should be rewarded for my skill. Dumb golf the talent. Rule. That is a terrible golf rule. <laughs> yes. Oh hell no! That's that's horrible. This is this is all this is all around the country in the golf culture anywhere. Oh yeah, you're, oh, yeah. you're the only one. You got to buy buy everybody in your group around. Well, and and the custom would be in some places that, that like everybody on the course gets a free drink. On oh you. hell no! <laughs> 
That's crazy. Where is my reward for hitting hole in one? Just to brag about it? Yeah. You got oh, I guess one. the reason you buy everybody a drink is so they will acknowledge you got the hole in one. Yeah. And then you can always brag about your hole in one because you'll be like, remember the time I got you that drink? That's because I hit a hole in one. I bought drinks for everybody. I know someone who. Because you can't have a hole in one if you can't have proof of it. Right? That's exactly right. That's like, don't well, even mention it if you, you did it you, by yourself. There, there, there are stair steps to it. You can buy your golf, your partners, go some drinks. But some people, I know a guy here at Onion Creek who hit on a busy Saturday. Bought, hit a hole in one, and he ended up with like an eight hundred dollar bar tab. Damn! <laughs> yeah. Was he happy about it? Yeah, he didn't care. Because the hole in one is so exhilarating, it's so thrilling. It's such a once in a lifetime deal that I think so I, I kind of get it because you want basically proof. You want certification that you hit that hole in one, and the best way to do that is, hey man. Everybody gets around I'm the drinks. making it rain, I'm baby. making it rain for everybody. <laughs> Y'all remember I got that hole-in-one? You remember that day I got that hole-in-one? No, I will say okay. I, I talked to that guy, and he was like, you know, I was pretty pretty hammered. I, I, I didn't really like that $900 go, you know, bar bill that I got when, yeah. the, when the bill came in. So what is Okay, so what's the protocol? Do they come to you and say, you're the hole-in-one. Do you want to buy drinks for around for everybody, like yeah, kind of like that. Oh man, yeah. I'd have been like, nah, just for my people here, and, and like just uh, for this group and like, that group right there, that group like right there. At, at any club, <laughs> certainly here at Onion Creek, like after like on a Saturday, like there's after oh, a tournament, it's packed, two hundred people in there. Yeah, no man, no, I'm just <laughs> buying one for my group and then the surrounding groups who saw it. You you saw my hole in one, you get you get you get free drinks. Yes. that's my rule. If you saw it, then you can vouch for it, so I can brag about it in the future. Then you get it. But other than that, nah, we're good on that. Have you ever hit a hole in one when nobody was around? Because that would uh, suck. So that sucks, huh? You want somebody around? The best shot I ever one. hit, no one was around. Oh, that's just terrible. It was, it was almost, and it's on. It's my screensaver on my phone. It was a. It was a, the number one hole here at the original. It's a par five. It would have been. A, it would have been a two out of five. So it would have been a, a double eagle. Oh. And now it stopped. So it was like a tap in, tap in eagle. Oh But no. it would have been an albatross. But no one would have. I would. I, I, no no one would have ever so believed. You, but me. you videoed it. No, I took a picture of it. <sighs> but anybody can walk up and put a ball right now. I know. <laughs> no, don't believe me. Damn, yeah, you're right. That's like a, that's heartbreaking. <laughs> it's like a, if a, a tree makes a sound and nobody's around to hear it, then you know what happened. You kind of look around. And like, Did you see it? Did you right? see that? <laughs> I'd be knocking on doors. Did you guys see, you that? see that? Come on, man. Come on, man. Somebody saw that. Acknowledge it. That was a two. Oh, so okay. I got because because a two on a five is is really harder to do oh, than a, man, than, that's a amazing. Than, a, than a one on a three. Yeah. I mean, it's that's a two, legit. That's legit. It was a great seven iron uh, and a downwind, which of course oh. I hit the seven iron. And this was a, you know years ago, and I could still hit the ball a while. Oh. Oh, man. Uh, all right. Um, That's somebody said standard deduction is 12K. He'll get to keep all that money, right? Standard deduction, 12K. Oh, really? Nice. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, say, hey, E, it's pronounced Minot, North Dakota. Thank you very much. Uh, this says at my club, you buy the entire membership a drink. Everybody who's a member at the club? How Damn. can you afford that? You're at a country club. <laughs> well, that doesn't mean that I, I'm Big Daddy Warbucks over here, man. Come, Come on, on, man. That's crazy. Yeah. That, that could, Dude, everybody in the – how many people are members of the club? Like 300 people or something? Here at Onion Creek, there's probably 500 golf members. Come now. on, man. A drink for – Yeah. You, yeah. What? <laughs> no. That would be absurd. That's actually that, – that's a little that's, – that's extreme. That's a little extreme. Come on. Yes. From everybody out on, out on the course, I kind of get that. I think that's extreme. But, man, every member. So what about the members who aren't even there? They get a free drink when they come in and get a free coupon? I guess. For a free drink, drink for my Rod. hole in one. Drink on Rod's <laughs> hole in one on 17. I see why Rod B is not a member of a country club. I can do that <laughs> right now because be, I'd be so upset about these little, these unofficial rules, these unwritten rules and stuff. But I'm not good enough oh, at golf. So golf I, I never have to do any of that stuff because I'm so bad. Uh, so you wouldn't even worry about it. Uh, listen, there are. 
Yes, there are a lot of unwritten golf rules. Yeah. Or actually written golf rules that don't make sense. There's written or, ones and a lot of unwritten ones that you let me know too. Yes. A lot of unwritten I mean, Jordan, stuff. Jordan Spieth had, you know, signed an inaccurate scorecard because he had the, the the bubble guts. The bubble guts. He had the runs <laughs> going. He had to run to the bathroom. He makes a mistake to kick him out of the tournament. You're right. Yeah, <laughs> in, a, in an age where we know there's there are multiple ways to accurately track that score. Digitally, uh, video evidence, and yet still, I'm going to need you to mark it down here. And if you get it wrong, you're out. And if you you're sign done, it, son. If you sign it. If you whatever. And once you sign it, that's the uh, – hey, look, that's the that's – Oh, the so you can always go back and correct it unless you sign yeah, it. Yeah. Then it's final. That's what you're supposed to do after gotcha. you're around. You go up into the scorer's room. I got gotcha. you. You double-check your scores with what they have in the computer. Everybody reads them off. And then, and then you sign it. And then you right. sign it, So you basically double-triple-check it. Yeah. And that's when you sign it. And he didn't double, triple check because no, he had he the bubble was in the bathroom. <laughs> He's like, guys, I don't have time for this. There's something more inevitable than this time card here, whatever, this scorecard. Well, it just sounded like, as I said yesterday, there was kind of a bug going through. Tiger Woods pulled out with, this, with the flu. Uh, that happened to Jordan. Remember, Jordan double bogeyed 18 on his <laughs> way to that. And cause I'm assuming he had to go to the bathroom. He was feeling it. He's like, dude, I got to get this. is coming. Yeah, this like, I don't give a damn about this bogey right now. I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. And then he goes running up the hill. Um, that would have been embarrassing. Uh, he almost went yeah. Paul Pierce on the 18th hole right? of Riviera. I imagine that run was a weird run, too. Yeah. <laughs> he was trying to keep well, everything and then, together. And then by Sunday, Patrick Cantlay, who had the five-stroke lead at one point, ended up with like a 100-degree temperature trying to battle through it and ends up losing. But uh, Matsuyama gets the win. Yeah, something was going around yeah, you got about at that. that course. But, yes, you buy whole, you know, holes in one, you buy you Did, buy the drinks. Was unaware. Learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. Learn something, something new every new. day. Yeah. There you go. I've never had one. I almost had a dog. Never had, that would have been a hole-out two on a five, which would have been my greatest all-time golf shot. But I've not had a hole-in-one one of these days. One day, my, my friend Omar Uresti, who I do the, the tour of Central Texas golf courses with, he had a, he had a hole-in-one when he was like seven years old. A hole-in-one at seven? Yeah, right here at Onion Creek. What? On the original. And, he, he, and people saw this? And yeah. people witnessed it? Yeah. Uh, I, I, have a, I have a question for you all, hole-in-one related. Yes, sir. Okay, so I was once golfing with one of my buddies at Barton Creek Country Club, and he, he hit a terrible shot on a par three, decided to take a mulligan, and then hit a hole in one on his next shot. Oh, we all that's were a like, three. yeah, that's a we, we were all like, well, that's not a hole in one, buddy. And he oh. still to this day gets the most upset I've ever seen him when we're like, he, he'll be like, oh, yeah, I hit a hole in one at Barton Creek once. We're like, no, you didn't. You, that's it was a three. Your, that was your second that's shot. A par. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's a par. I'm glad you agree that's with me. That's brutal. Oh, that's tough. Because yeah. that's, that's I mean, the I'm way not a golfer. I, I'm like, I, I mean, don't. Technically, you hit the ball in the hole on one shot, but it's not a hole in one. Yes. Because you're a mulligan. It's a mulligan. You took the mulligan. Oh, yeah, man. Because that second guy is always, be- always the better player. I mean, they, they, how, many, how many of us have you drop a second ball and you hit it perfectly after the, the terrible shot on the first one? That's just the way that goes. Yeah. And that's the goal of every golfer is to be able to put you know, the pressure aside you and hit that, first, that second shot first mm-hmm. and really get into that groove. But, man, just the way that goes. That's golf. That's why it's a four-letter word. Really uh, yeah. Yeah. That's Thank you, Ty. That's good. Yeah, that, that's not a hole-in-one. You're right on that. He can get as mad as he wants, but that is not a hole-in-one. Oh, that sucks, man. That does. <laughs> I, yeah, that, that would be hard to reconcile. Like, dude, I hit a hole-in-one. Like, no, you did. Yeah, you, technically, you, you didn't. And he's, he's yes. my, the friend that you golf with that he'll walk off the course like four holes in if he's having a terrible oh, day. So he's a, he's a bit, yes, a bit of a baby about it. Desmond Howard? Yeah. yeah. I was playing in the Heisman winners weekend one time at Barton Creek, that Barton Creek right there. And this was back in the uh, 2000s when, what was it, Triton Industries? or It was Ty Detmer's group. Then I'm getting a bunch of oh, trouble yeah. for embezzlement. But uh, they, they put on a big event. It was a great event. Barker. Heisman Winners Weekend. So this was, gosh, this wasn't even, this was 1997. That football right there, right up on the, the bookshelf. Oh, yeah. They celebrated the, uh, 
the Heisman, uh, gosh, the 30th anniversary of Ricky Williams, excuse Ooh. me, of, of, of Earl Campbell's Heisman and wow. John David Crow of Texas A&M. That's pretty cool. And so they, it was like a 50th anniversary of that one or something. So, and they brought in all these Heisman winners. because, um, And it was out of Barton Creek. That's, it was a great awesome. event. Eddie George was there and Tim Brown and, gosh, old, old, old Heisman winners. It was a great weekend. And it was to honor Earl and John David Crow. Was fortunate enough to be there and then play in the tournament. And we, I was actually in a, in a group uh, ahead, right, right behind Desmond Howard's group. Okay. And I was playing with uh, Chris Wenke who is a great golfer, by the way, a really good golfer, uh, in our group. And so, but word gets back that Desmond Howard has left the course. <laughs> like he was playing bad. <laughs> he was playing poorly, and he just left the course. And his, his group, I mean, these, are, these are people that have paid to, like, be in this deal. Wow. And he's like, he's like where'd he go? Uh, he, he wasn't playing good. He got mad. That's, he, he left. He left. Where'd he go? And then we get to the turn, and there's the driving range. Yeah. The turn. There he is. Desmond's out there hitting golf hitting ball, golf <laughs> trying to work on his swing. And then we get a report that some kids were trying to get his autograph, and he wouldn't sign their autograph. He was really in a bad he mood about his game. Mood. Yeah, that always soured me on Desmond. Oh, I was like, Come man. On, like, you're playing in a celebrity yeah, you're golf a celebrity challenge. Come on, just, man. Just play. Yeah, just play. Just, Even if you're terrible, who cares? That's, this is, this is also, these, these spawn these stories. But speaking of Earl Campbell, he was there because he was being honored. And at the golf tournament, he was sitting there at the turn in a golf cart just signing autographs and saying hi to people. Because there were a lot of you – because know, all these big names out there, a lot of people oh, just came out man, to get, just to get, to get autographs. autographs. Yeah. Hell, yeah. Uh, so, and and it, was a, it, was a, it was a big event. Uh, so Earl's sitting there, and apparently these – I didn't see this, but I was told this secondhand later that these kids walked up and, and you know, shook his hand. And uh, they, were, they were old enough to drive, and so – they, he, they wanted to get a football sign, and he, he gave him his credit card and said, run on down to the, uh, to the, to the thing to buy some footballs, bring them back, and I'll sign the, it. Are you, are you, what? Yeah. Some strange, just strange just kids, kids? Just random kids? Wearing, wearing you know, Longhorn wow. gear. Wow. Gave him his credit card. And he, they drove to the, to the academy or wherever. Got came footballs. Back, got footballs, and he signed them and then gave him his card back. That is a hell of a story. That's a true story. That is a gr- – I wish I was one of them little kids. But like, that. Earl Campbell gave me his credit card when we go buy some footballs. That is a great story. Damn. And that's talking about – and then you got on the other side, Desmond Howard doesn't even want to sign stuff for yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> you got like, come on, man. Paying for it, sending the kids to the store with a credit card. That's, a, that's an awesome And story. I think it was like his wow. dad was playing in the tournament, so it wasn't like the kids were going to steal his credit card or anything. Yeah, but no, no, but still, just that just shows you the type of human being that Earl is. He is. He's a. He's a great person. He is a great person. Yeah, and uh, awesome. made those kids year uh, oh, with that generous. What? I, they just kids are still telling that story. That's one. Of their, that's one of like well, their top five stories they tell every time they go around somebody. You know, you're like you know, uh, Earl Campbell gave me his credit card once. I bought some footballs. <laughs> like what? Footballs. Hold up, you gotta explain that. They didn't go into detail about I, the story. I, so this was 2007. Now that I'm looking at that football, it's 2007. Okay. And so my, I, I have three kids at the time. Well, I still have three, but they're adults now. They, they did a big fireworks deal and, and dinner one of the nights on, outdoor, on the outdoor little pat, veranda. And there was a – it was actually Aaron, Eric Raines, our, our co-worker yeah. at Coke FM. It was his cover band that they do, right? Oh, what? And so they were, nice. they were great. And so and my kids end up on the stage singing Pour Some Sugar on Me with Eddie George at that event. Wow. <laughs> Did you have video of this? My, my wife does somewhere on a video cassette. That is fantastic. Yeah, Eddie George is up on stage singing Pour Some Sugar on Me, Def Leppard. <laughs> and my kids are up there, like, <laughs> singing with him. <laughs> that is a is – that, that, once again, once in a lifetime story. What's, what a weekend. That was a great event. That was a great event. Well, then the company yeah, yeah, yeah. went bankrupt. Damn. And, that that sounds like an amazing event, It actually. was an amazing event. Wow, was that's really so cool. cool. 
Uh, so lucky to be a part of that deal. Huh. That was awesome. Uh, all right, so there's some uh, some off the nose. This is reminiscent. Jordan Spieth didn't plan his day properly like Rod B. You do, man. <laughs> hey, man. I don't get surprised by any of those any 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 bow movement. I'm not surprised by it. I'm, I'm pretty much on a schedule. I always figure if you're doing that away from your house or away from uh, the planned your 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 planned uh, you know movement there, then it probably is. Uh, Probably you made a mistake. You made a miscalculation somewhere in, right. your, in your scheduling. Your scheduling. Yeah, because well, that don't happen to me, man. Well, I never, I never went to your bathroom. Really... Was like, hey, E, I'll be gone for a while. We've been, <laughs> over, I've not. been doing this show damn near for a year here. I, not one time I went to the bathroom and go, E, no, I'm gonna be gone for about three, five minutes, man. Just give me some time. Nope. And crazy part about it, every producer here that reproduces this show has to excuse themselves at one point because they have to go to the bathroom. Yeah, they have to get gone for a segment, a whole segment. I will. Uh, yeah. I, I've had to go during the show, but typically I go before the show, which no one cares about. But um, so right, right. No, but you're on the schedule. I'm on a schedule. I'm on a schedule, man. Uh, but Bubble Guts knows no schedule. Mine does. <laughs> I because and football is the reason I'm like that. Because football, I learned like, hey man, you can just be eating anything, and then you got to play a game five, six hours later. You need to you need to make sure that you're eating the proper things so that you don't have any type of uh, surprises. So I learned how to be very scheduled being a football player for 15-some years. Because I, ne- I play with guys who literally had the bubble guts during games. Yep. And they had to fake injuries twice on the 40 acres. <laughs> fake injuries. I'm not man, I'm talking about Paul Pierce style, fake an injury. And so the white pants they wear <clears throat> won't expose what was actually going on. You can see that from the stands. So, yeah, you probably, y'all probably thought, oh, man, he's really hurt. I hope he's okay. Nope. That was a DB and that was an offensive lineman. Had to fake injuries because they miscalculated the bubble guts. Mm-hmm. They went a little crazy at the pasta bar. Nope, never yeah, happened. You guys always went to that Omni Pasta. We all that, oh, that, but they carbo load and they go crazy sometimes. I'm like, man, y'all wilding out there. We got to play a game in like four, or five hours. What you doing? And nope, it's, uh, it would happen. It would happen. Guys, and then they go out there for a special teams play and make a tackle, and they're on the ground. I'm like, oh, everybody's like, you okay? He's like, no, man, I'm not. I, the bubble guts got me. <laughs> they got me. And, it, and then we had to fake an injury for him. Oh, it happened. No, those, those kind of things happened. That's happen. too funny. Yes. Uh, well, you know, nature calls. That's just the way that goes. It is. And it I is, would it say is. Yes. Rod prevents it because he's so well meticulously uh, planned. Yes, we planned it out, man. As far as his eating schedule. And yes, I was told that that Omni Pasta Bar is still rolling. They still have that down there at the Omni Hotel on 7 I'm not going to lie. It was, a, it, was, it was one of my favorite parts of Texas football <laughs> as a player. It was so good. We would go, we would go there on just random days. It was so good, and the staff got to know us so well. We would guys would go on like a random like Tuesday, or they would go like for lunch on some days, and they would allow us to get pasta to go because we were like you know I guess we were considered you know kind of celebrities or whatever. But we'd take some pasta to go. But pasta bar, that's it's it's good eating, good eating. Oh, I should take my wife to the pasta bar. Now, yeah, it's good eating. Well, man. I was told last time we oh. talked about this, somebody said it's still there, guys. They still do it at the, uh, the, the to, restaurant to next to the out. Omni Hotel. Yeah, it is so. Oh man, that is a quality pasta bar. <laughs> it is. I don't know if all pasta bars are like that, but if they are, then I need to go to more pasta bars. I don't even know, know if another one in the city. Really, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, all right, so check out the pasta bar. Check it uh, out. Check it out. Props to Earl Campbell. Uh, props to the kid who won ten grand. Hole in one. Props to the hole in one people out there. That, and don't rub it in that I don't have one. Okay, so uh, there we go. We've got uh, big day Tuesday is uh, coming up this afternoon. The the, the the beginning of franchise deadline or franchise tag ap- yep. application process. We'll keep an eye on that. And that of course Rod leads into the days of our quarterback lies because you know it's all about quarterbacks and who's going where. Uh, that will be the conversation for the next month of you know who are the quarterbacks that are available. 
where are they going to land, how is it going to play out, because it's the most important position in the game. And, yep. um, you know, this year's crop of quarterbacks includes Justin Fields, includes mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins, it includes Baker Mayfield, uh, includes Russell Wilson potentially. Well, they cut Mac Jones. Yeah, you and I talked about that. I don't know. They got to cut him, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's a bust. Yeah, he'll be out there. Well, not, not that any team will reinvest in him, but just talking about the quarterbacks that would be available. He, he might end up being available too if a team looks at him and likes him. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I mean, they um, – They should be drafting a QB. They should be drafting a QB too. I mean, it's, it's, it's that time of year. And so everything about the draft going to be quarterback-driven with Caleb Williams and oh, yeah. Drake May and Jaden Daniels and where those guys are going to land. This J.J. McCarthy conversation continues to – you know, he's going to be the X factor of the draft. He will be, actually. Yeah, because he's rising up draft. I, like, I still like Penix better than um, J.J. McCarthy, but I'll admit that people are saying you got to go back and watch the film of the previous year, not this past season, but that previous season, to see more of what you brought up. You brought up his ability to improvise and second reaction plays, and that seems like that's why he's rising up draft boards. People are going back to that film. Yeah. I think he's got some talent, and now he's going to get to put on his, you know, the, he'll be at the combine. And the reason he would be the X factor of the draft is if the top three go one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Anybody else that needs a quarterback, and they have J.J. McCarthy as the next guy, yeah. as you start getting into the later you know, top ten and into the middle of the first round, who's going to either trade up for him or you know, who makes him a priority because yep. uh, he's the next guy. I agree. Uh, so I would agree with you on that. So, I mean, those quarterbacks, uh, and, you know, 29-1 and one as a starting quarterback, you know, he wins he games. He wins. He you know? wins. You're right about that. But then there are the people that say, well, Stetson Bennett won two national championships. I mean, what's, what's the big deal? I mean, he was playing with this hugely talented team. Uh, same time, J.J. Uh, McCarthy got more talent than Stetson Bennett. Um, but we'll see. This is this is that time of year, Rod, where wild things happen. It, uh, Justin, Justin Fields is now unfollowed all the Bears personnel on his yeah. social media. Yeah. Started to follow all the Falcons. Hey, he wants I, to go back home, apparently. I don't know what that means, but I know that the Bears got to make a decision on Justin Fields, and they have to do it. You would think around they're, they're going to be discussing it at the Combine. It'll at least be discussed at the Combine, and you would think they want to get it done either before or at the draft, pretty much. The draft may actually be the catalyst that ends up getting Justin Fields traded. Um, but do you lose leverage as soon as you draft a quarterback? Right now you got some leverage. You can still claim, hey, man, we're still thinking about building around Justin Fields. He's our, this guy's our franchise quarterback. Give us, give us, if you want us to give up our franchise quarterback, you need to give us requisite value. You need to give us what we believe a franchise quarterback's worth, and that will be a first-round pick. And that's what they're trying to get for Justin Fields, even though I would not give up a first-round pick for him. I would give up a second and a third. But but to get him, they have to becomes the question, right? You may have to. If that's the market, and you're sitting there and you're Pittsburgh at 18, then you may, you know, can we get a better – we need a quarterback. We got a lot of good players on our team. We need a quarterback. Now, are, are we going to get anybody at eighteen that's better than our starting quarterback? That's a good point. Uh, who is going to be the the future of our position there? Uh, yeah, we'll give that up uh, because it's just that vital. It's that important, and you know we can't not get one. We can't not get the one we really really want. Yeah, it becomes the question now. You, as you said, before, Pittsburgh could maybe trade back in the first round with somebody and get then some use value. that pick to go up. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, that's going to be the conversation. Because I do think – is it fair to say ranking them, Justin Fields is number one as far as quarterbacks we know who are going to be available? Uh, yeah, let's you how much you like Baker, but I – you know, how much you like Baker? Uh, well, where do question. we put Kirk Cousins? Also true. Coming off the injury. Yeah. A little bit older, but – 35, veteran yeah. quarterback, but coming off an Achilles. Baker's 28. Justin Fields, you know, not the thrower of those guys, but a better athlete and a higher ceiling potentially. To me, it feels – yeah, it depends on the system and what you value. Because to me, if I'm, at, I'm from a team like Atlanta, 
oh, man, with all those weapons, uh, Justin Fields seems like he'd be perfect there. Pittsburgh, I don't know, I feel like Pittsburgh wants more of a pocket-passing traditional skill set at quarterback, and that's more Baker Mayfield and your Kirk Cousins. Uh, the Patriots? Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I don't know what the Patriots are looking for. Well, we, we still know what Jared Mayo is going to, you know. Yeah, what kind of style, what, what brand style of football does he want to play? Yeah, we don't know that. We don't know anything about him as a coach. and so. Because to me, like a guy like Baker Mayfield or Kirk Cousins fits really well in Atlanta with all that skill talent. They do. Whereas, you know, Justin Fields is not the thrower. Can he distribute the ball like you need to when you've got, uh, you know, running backs like, like uh, B. John Robinson and receivers and tight ends? And uh, I don't know. This will be fascinating to see how this plays out. It, it is every year. Uh, and, and, you know, it used to be you couldn't get quarterbacks in free agency. Quarterbacks just didn't come available, Rod. Now it seems like back to the Tom Brady, the Matt Stafford, yeah. um, you know, Russell Wilson. Aaron Rodgers last year. I mean, there's just these moves where these these big quarterbacks make you know, end up on a different team. Well, for quarterbacks are playing longer. Yep. So that's given an opportunity for some of those, like you talked the Matt Stafford stories, the Tom Brady stories, Aaron Rodgers late in their careers for them to 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 play out the twilight of their careers elsewhere because they're just playing much longer. And I think also another aspect of it is when you have these. Uh, you know, I think right now in the NFL, you're, the ability to resuscitate and rehabilitate a quarterback skill set, right? Your Jared Goff stories. Sure. Your Geno Smith stories. Your Baker Mayfield stories. These are guys that we thought at one point, all right, bust, moving on, right? Let's, let's move on to the next quarterback evaluation, the next class of quarterbacks because your Baker Mayfield, your Jared Goff, those guys are bust. And then you get these quarterback gurus like a Sean McVay uh, and like a Dave, Dave Canales, uh, him, and you get, uh, you know, these different stories or these different coaches who become almost made men. Uh, we saw it with uh, Brian Dable and what he did with Daniel Jones. They become made men because they can resuscitate the skill set of what was considered to be a once broken quarterback or a bust quarterback. And then you add those quarterbacks now to the mix. And yeah. this is the quarterbacks playing longer. So I think that's why it feels like there are more quarterbacks available than there used to be. And now you've got the influx of those good quarterbacks coming out. And what's happening at the college level? And you talked about this. Those quarterbacks are now coming out. Uh, more experience, yep. right? So you got your, you got, you got more of a sample size to evaluate those quarterbacks, and they're coming out now with more experience and more seasoned passers. So maybe just those guys are ready to play sooner, and quarterbacks are playing longer, and even quarterbacks that once that was once considered broken and bust, that they are actually able to be yep. rehabilitated. And now it just feels like, man, we got yeah. more quarterbacks. Change of scenery. Uh, yeah. the, the Geno Smith, Jared Goff, yeah. as you said, and those guys that are, that are finding a new lease on life. All right, it's an interesting – it's the days of our quarterback lives. It, it feels just, like it just that. It goes yeah. every offseason now. And, you know, and, and for, for Aaron Rodgers, it took all the way until, gosh, the summertime before That's he ended true. up getting traded to the Jets That's and great point. had to work it all through. And but. we're valuing backups more than we ever have, too. We're discussing backup quarterbacks more than we ever have because they're playing more than yeah, they ever have before. quarterbacks are getting hurt. Yeah. 
it is an incredible, you know, that time of year, uh, the, yep. the silly season, as we say. And uh, the dates to remember today, this is when the deadline, the tags can start being, mm-hmm. you know, implemented uh, all the way to March 5th. The combine will start a week from next Thursday on the 29th. So you've got uh, the combine opening up. That's where a lot of deals will get done, Ron, that because that's where all the scouts and GMs and the entire yep. NFL descends and to be at the Underwear Olympics. So that's coming up a week from Thursday. Yep. Of course, uh, middle of March, the league year will open. And uh, – Whoever's not franchise tagged or got a deal done, going to be a free agent. And Ooh. so uh, we will follow it all right here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. We'll come back. We'll uh, continue this conversation, but also get into the uh, little Longhorn conversation behind the BOC, the Burn Orange Curtain. We'll get what's popping before the end of our fabulous fifth hour here on Hook'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook'em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Beautiful Tuesday. Temperatures uh, rising today. It's already 62 degrees. We're going to hit about 77 right in time for Texas baseball tonight against Houston Christian over at Dishfall Field. Get on out there. Um, oh, yeah. You know, to that Yeti yard, man, before you get packed. They get your seats. I have to do that. And I need to do it before with, like, this A&M game where it's going to be packed in the Because once it starts getting packed, I think it'll stay packed, like, every game. People will just make sure they get their spot Well, and I think, early. as our and props to our producer yesterday, Brock pointed out, because he was in the Eddie Yard last weekend, that uh, I, when, when it was announced by Chris Del Conte at that State of the State thing that they mm-hmm. did, the open town hall, yeah. I thought, well, that's going to – somebody's going to rent that out. You know, co- corporations mm-hmm. will yeah. buy, you know, tickets. You special and, wristbands to yeah. get in and all that. Apparently, it's just the yard. It's like, you know, come on in. Uh, now, there's a limit of 140 people, but, you know, if you're standing in the out there in left field with the fans there, Occupy Left Field crew, you, know, you just go in and out and uh, set your chair down. Watch the game from the outfield. Same vibe too. Just I everybody's welcome. Come on come in. On, yeah, come on in. BYOB. It's that's. I love the best. I love the baseball culture at Texas. The fan culture. The, the program's awesome. Obviously, blue blood, but the fan culture is really cool. That it's such a welcoming culture. Even people re- remark that when they go by the Occupy Left Field thing, they're always a little cautious because they're like, okay, do I need to talk to somebody about what's going on? Walk on up. Well, yeah, you just got to keep walking. They're like, come on, come on, come on. Somebody hand you, a, hand you a brew or hand you a drink, and then you're just like, okay, I guess I'm part of Occupy Left Field now. This is awesome. And it seems like they have the same vibe and energy working with the Yeti. I'm glad they didn't lose that. Because you know, Texas football, I love Texas football. It's awesome. But it's a different fan culture. It's a different culture, even for somebody like me who's a member of the family. A lot of exclusivity. You got to know people, get in this place, get in that club, get in this place. And nah. you got to, you know, it's exclusive culture there. Um, and the Texas baseball one, because they can't, they can afford to be. It's a different business model, but it's a lot more welcoming. You just kind of come around, and, and the fans get to really get the like an intimate connection with the program. Well, and give CDC this credit because they're you know Texas. I don't know if you do know this, Rod. Breaking news: Longhorns are entering the SEC. Yes, sir. Uh, and in the SEC, there's some really raucous baseball home home fields. Oh, uh, okay. And you're trying to to to, to match yeah, it. Yeah, they match that energy. Uh, you know, A and M and Olsen Field is one of the best. You know, I mean, Ole Miss is a great baseball environment. Uh, LSU uh, in Baton Rouge yep. is phenomenal. Uh, Mississippi State, uh, I think that's where they do the cowbells, <laughs> those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just great baseball atmospheres. Yeah. And, you know, you, you want to be among them. So, you know, having fans in the I – mean, think about the, the poor left fielder and center fielder Ooh. for A&M when they're yeah. playing in the, in the Yeti yard, people getting after them. I know. That's hell right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, that is. 
For real, containing you get to just uh, deal with your know, composure and then not oh. get distracted out there. That's that's a hell of a home field advantage. And so you know, and they're come, they're trying to come up with ways to 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 create a more raucous environment at Dishfall Field, which I give them props. And you're right about the culture. And just like you know, it, the baseball program has been so successful. It's a generational fandom. I mean, yes. you, you got you know, great grandfathers yeah. all the way down to the great grandsons that are and daughters yes. that are going to those games, and the, the the tradition is passed down, and it is a very welcome. And I mean, you can begin when you, the, the program's only had like what, four or five all-time head coaches for crying out loud uh, in a century. So cool, and uh, it is a really cool envir- environment uh, without a doubt. All right, so that's uh, that's going on with the baseball tonight, six thirty with uh, Houston Christian. I did mention Texas yes, State; sir. they're playing TCU tonight. They're off to a three and zero start. Uh, so good luck to the to the Bobcats. Steve Trout and company heading up there to play the preseason favorite in the Big Twelve, those TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, all right, Rod, let's uh, go behind the burn orange curtain, talking some Texas football in this final hour. And they were all asking themselves the same question: What is behind that curtain? Shout out to my man CB, as always, uh, Chris GB double zero two thousand in the Twitterverse. Uh, definitely worth the follow. Sent me the latest uh, Daniel Jeremiah mock draft, uh, which I appreciate. You guys know I tell you all the time I'm a mock slut. I will look at any mock draft, uh, even the ones that are less reputable, <laughs> without recognizable names. But Darren Jeremiah is one of the best in the business at the mock draft, and uh, has been doing it for years, and uh, and works with NFL.com. So Darren Jeremiah's latest mock draft, of course, we want to see where uh, the Longhorns here. But uh, just early on, he's got Caleb Williams number one. He's got Drake May at two. Remember, there's a discussion about who's going to be the second quarterback among this draft. He's got Drake May going second to uh, Washington, uh, got the Bears taking Caleb Williams with number one overall pick. He's got Marvin Harrison Jr. going third to the Patriots. Patriots passing on a quarterback there. I don't know if that's a wise decision. Um, he's got the Arizona Cardinals at four, Malik Neighbors, who was rising fast up draft boards. And we talked about quarterback and wide receiver are going to be deep in this year. It's basically a quarterback, wide receiver, and tackle uh, first round, deep. you probably get seven uh, receivers drafted in the first round. You'll probably get four quarterbacks, maybe even five quarterbacks taking the first round. You might get four to five offensive tackles taking the first round. It's going to be a really heavy draft for quarterback, wide receiver, and offensive tackle. They got the Chargers taking an offensive tackle with that fifth pick. They got the Giants taking Jaden Daniels uh, with pick number six overall. They got uh, Tennessee taking an offensive tackle. They got J.J. McCarthy uh, going number eight to the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Bears taken with their second pick, uh, Romeo Dunze. So getting Caleb Williams and then getting him a target, Romeo Dunze. Uh, they got an offensive tackle going 10th uh, to the Jets. So, so far, only quarterbacks, wide receivers, and offensive tackles. And Darren Jeremiah's top 10. That's it. <laughs> uh, so I told you it's going to be a really deep draft. He's got the first edge rusher going to Minnesota, Dallas Turner, at pick 11. Um, then Jared Verse going to Denver uh, as their edge rusher, too. Um, then he's got Las Vegas taking Terry and Arnold, the cornerback from Alabama. Uh, then J.C. Latham, the tackle from Alabama, going to the Saints at 14. Uh, and he's got Nate Wiggins, the Clemson cornerback, going to uh, the Colts. And then you get your first Longhorn off the board. He's got Byron Murphy going to Seattle at 16. And I haven't seen a mock draft yet with any Longhorn taken before Byron Murphy. So he is you know, very likely going to be the first Longhorn drafted. And, yes, it's always around. It's always anywhere from 13 to like 23, and I think that's where the Texans drafted. I've seen them anywhere in that kind of 10 
10 pick uh, space from like 13 to around 23, somewhere in there. Um, uh, the all alone, they got Brock Bowers going 18 to Cincinnati, which is shocking if Brock Bowers lasts that long, if he drops that far. Uh, the next Longhorn drafted uh, by uh, this mock draft from Darren Jeremiah, he's got A.D. Mitchell going in the first round. Uh, to the Tampa Bay Bucks at 26. Now, them losing Mike Evans, that would make a lot of sense, and that is the last of the Longhorns drafted in the first two rounds. Remember, I told you I believe now that A.D. Mitchell is going to get drafted in the top, in, in the first round. He'll, I think he's going to uh, increase his draft stock when he runs the 40. From what everything that I'm hearing in research wise, he's going to run a 4-4. If he runs a 4-4 combined with the film that he has, with the, showing the body control and the precision route running, the catch radius, he's, got the, he's arguably, got, arguably got the best hands in this wide receiver draft class. He's got, I believe, you go look at drop rate. Uh, for uh, the wide receivers in this draft class. A.D. Mitchell on 86 targets. He had 55 receptions for 845 yards. That's 15 yards per reception, 11 touchdowns. His drop rate uh, is the lowest of all the top-tier receivers in the 2024 NFL draft. I think he's at like 1.8% uh, drop rate, and that makes sense, right? Uh, B. John Robinson went on an, uh, an interview during the Super Bowl and said that he catches like 500 balls <laughs> after practice. The man is committed to making sure he's got good hands, um, so that's a big part of why it translates to the NFL. I think, he, I think he's going to run a 4-4, high 4-4 maybe, and I think he's going to end up being drafted in the first round. Now, I also brought up earlier – and since we're talking about uh, Longhorns who go in the first round, right now it's looking like Byron Murphy and A.D. Mitchell are your two top guys. But Jim, Na- Jim Nagy, the, uh, the Senior Bowl executive, the executive of the Senior Bowl, remember he put out there earlier today, uh, about three hours ago, he had a little thread just about Devondre Sweat because he was so impressed with Devondre Sweat at the Senior Bowl. He said, uh, quick Senior Bowl notes to show why Texas knows tackle Devondre Sweat shouldn't get out of the first round. He said interior D linemen with rare size and overwhelming power simply don't grow on trees. Um, he went on to, and he shows all these clips from Tavondre Sweat on his thread. He said everyone knows one-on-one drills are money makers during Senior Bowl week, and Tavondre Sweat showed he's more than just a two-down run stuffer. Guys who are 6'4", 365 pounds usually aren't this quick, nimble, and nifty. Dudes like Devondre Sweat don't grow on trees. And he also goes on to say, if your favorite NFL team's defense needs an immovable anchor, then you want Texas's Devondre Sweat. Nobody in this year's draft uh, has Sweat's tools and upside. If you think he slips to day two, remember who the league is paying big money to in free agency these days. Devondre Sweat uh, can do this and more. Uh, remember, I told you guys, if you go look at the eight highest-paid defensive players from last season, half of those guys, eight of the 16, are interior defensive linemen. If you go look at the highest-paid defensive players in guaranteed money last season in the NFL, tw- look at the top 12 in guaranteed money. Six of those are interior defensive linemen. What people are not realizing is it's not a, pri- a premium position, but more and more teams are playing with two high safeties so they can devote numbers to stop the passing game, and they want matchups to win in the running game. And if you want to play with two high safeties, numbers, just the numbers will tell you, you got to play with a lighter box. If you're going to play with a lighter box, which means fewer defenders, then you have blockers, then you need big, massive human beings like Devondre Sweat or Byron Murphy that demand the double team at the point of attack. All right, if they demand a double team, they flip the numbers advantage back in your favor, even with a light box, and then you can win with a light box, all right, because 
Yeah, you got two guys. You got two. They had two guys to block your one. Or you can win by having human beings who are so massive, like a Tavondre Sweat, that they essentially they can defend and clog up more than one gap with just their sure size and with their sure girth as a player and mass as a player. And that's also what Tavondre Sweat can do. So with that being said, if he can just prove he can be a force run defender on early downs and then be a pass rushing presence on the passing downs. He's going to make a whole lot of money in his second contract, and he's going to make a whole lot of money when he gets drafted because I don't think he will drop uh, in the second round. If he does drop in the second round, he won't drop too late in the second round because you need players in a modern NFL like Tavondre Sweat. And I think he is. I think he'll prove once they get past the questions about his weight because that's the big question, whether he's going to come, whether he can play every down, whether he has the you know, conditioning to be able to play every down, um, and whether he can carry that weight to be an every down player. He plays around 360. He's comfortable there. They'll probably want to see his performance weight, not his playing weight, performance weight at the combine around 355, maybe even 350. And that's a lot of weight for him to lose, 15, 12 to 15 pounds. But if he can, I think NFL scouts are going to love what they see from Devontae Sweat. And as Jim Nagy saying, he could potentially be a first-round pick too. And don't forget, I've also seen multiple mock drafts now with JT Sanders potentially being taken in the first round. Uh, that guy can really increase his draft stock at the combine. There is a precipitous drop-off from the top two tight ends in this draft class. There is Brock Bowers. He's the top guy. Then there's JT Sanders. I don't think athletically there's a huge difference between the two, but Brock Bowers is a much better blocker than JT Sanders. But in terms of down-the-field threats and their ability uh, as pass catchers and receivers, I don't think there's a huge difference between JT Sanders and Brock Bowers. But as a physical blocker, there's a massive difference between the two. But So watch that. If you're looking for a fourth guy potentially that could creep up into the first round, JT Sanders could be that guy just because of the value of the tight end position and the value of his skill set behind Brock Bowers. Good stuff behind the BOC, and yeah, the uh, mock drafts are coming, and obviously they'll they'll be fluid as we go through the combine process yep. and individual workouts, and uh, guys will rise and fall based on that. And uh, I do like that on Tavondre Sweat. Um, you know, uh, he he made himself some money at the he, Senior Bowl. He no really question. did. And and if he does do as we we speculate that he didn't weigh in because he wanted to play at his heavyweight to show the power, then he'll slim down a little mm -hmm. bit. He's got a month to shed, you know, ten fifteen pounds to to really. Because come combine time, it's a it's a workout. You yeah, want to be agile. Run. Yeah, I just want to see him run around, so move you around. Yeah. Got the power on film. Now let's see the quickness and see to see how how That's nimble exactly he can show. Right. Yep. And then whoever drafts him is going to have a playing weight that they wanted to be at. Exactly. Yeah. They're not going to care if he if he's comfortable at three sixty. They they'll want him to play at three sixty, especially if they want to be a traditional nose tackle. Right. Yeah, they want them big. They want them big. Not too big. Not too big. Not too big. All right, we'll come back. When we do, it'll be what's popping, getting you ready for a Tuesday night. We just told you the Texas baseball team in action tonight, but uh, what else is going on on this beautiful Tuesday in the ATX? What's popping? Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook em Up, 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. All right, what is popping? I do know this coming up tonight right after 7 o'clock. Rod and I, along with C.J. Vogel, will be a part of that uh, Tuesday night Longhorn live stream, Rod, on the On Texas Football channel on YouTube. Our friend Bobby Burton and his team doing a great job over there. Every Tuesday night, you and C.J. Oh, and yeah. I talk Texas football for yes, an sir. hour. That's right. We'll be talking, talking football this oh, evening, a lot of little draft talks. So join us on that. Uh, you know, YouTube is the way to find it. 
and uh, that'll be good. You'll be watching Texas baseball probably and uh, fire up the computer and get on YouTube wherever you do it. And C-Rod and CJ and I will uh, take your questions and have some fun with that tonight at 7. It's about 7.10 we start that back. One topic we may be discussing is uh, the latest news that the college football playoff has approved a 5-7. to seven. Yep. A 5-7 to seven structure for the new expanded playoff. So, yes, there will be five automatic spots for the conference champions, even though there are not – Power five. Well, they're going to – There are not five power conferences. Well, what it'll be is the four power conferences and then one, the highest-ranked – Group of five? Winner of the other five, or the, the other non-power conferences. The other group of five. So, they, yes. the group of five get one spot, basically. Yes. And then the other four gets – yeah, it's just – yeah, it's, it's weird. I know they no, had to do Because, remember, it, it was going to be a six and six, and then uh, the Pac-12, Pac-12 disintegrated. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's gone. So, now it's four yeah. uh, plus the, the at-large – plus the, uh, the, the, the group of five. Uh, highest ranked champion, and uh, so yeah. I mean, again, I I like the idea that a, they winning a conference championship matters. Um, you know, if you win the conference, you're in, uh, and you know, if you win your conference in one of the non non power four conferences, you you know, you give, at least you give yourself a shot, right, to be the highest ranked team at the end and be in the playoff. And again, we consider that the top five that won't be your top five. That's going to be they'll not all be seated. You know, once the seeding is yes, done, because then there'll be seven at large. Yeah, because under the twelve-team <clears throat> playoff format that begins this fall, the four highest-ranked conference champions will be seeded one through four, and each will receive a first-round buy. While teams seeded five through twelve will play each oh, other. Oh, so the first-round buyers are going to go guaranteed that's, to be the conference champions. That's what makes it says sense. here. It makes sense. It says this change modifies the original plan, which called for the bracket each year to include the six highest-ranked, as you were just pointing out. Um, plus the next exercise say under the new format this fall, the four highest ranked conference champions will be seated one through four and each will receive a first round bye. while teams seated five through 12 will each play each other in the first round on the home field of the higher ranked team. Well, think about that, Rod, what they're saying there. Yeah. That's interesting to me so, is if. Uh, so the quarterfinals and the semifinals will be played in New Year's six bowl games. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but think about this. <clears throat> I mean, take last year. If Iowa had somehow beaten Michigan in the Big Ten championship game okay. under that criteria. They Ooh. would they would have a first round bye, and Oklahoma State. Yeah, if Oklahoma State had beaten Texas, if that's what because they because yeah you're right because they would be a conference champion and then Ooh. they would just seed the highest ranked ones. I I don't know if that's wordings proper. I I'm, I I'll be interested to see that because yeah if, if somebody pulls an upset in one of these championship games and you end up with a three loss team with a bye, you still yeah but you still get in though as the other team you'll probably you'll likely get yeah. in as the loser but you won't get the bye. But the whole point is they, they're giving, yeah. they're giving yeah. incentive to win the conference. Go I win your you. conference championship, and you will get the bye. If you don't, you may get in, but you ain't getting that bye. Yeah, no, that's interesting. And, you know, it, it, the, the, the good argument there, too, because if you're playing in your conference championship, you're playing that weekend. A lot of teams that are, aren't playing that weekend. Because they yeah. didn't play their conference championship, right. right? Yeah. So you then get the week off. They essentially get a week off anyway. Right. Yeah. It's like the other yeah, team. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. You're right. They ends up – everybody will be fr- – you should be fresh. You should you be should fresh. You should have fresher teams or healthier teams for competing in the playoffs, which I kind of like that, yeah. too. So there you go. Um, when, yeah. you, when you championship. Win, that, hey. Hey, win your conference, man. Win your conference. Uh, also tonight, good college hoops. Uh, Baylor will be playing college basketball at – BYU, that'll be a fun game. That that BYU team at home, man, they're a tough group there. They're ranked 25th. They're not very good on the road. When you get them in that 18,000-seat arena, that place will get going. That'll be a big Monday or big Tuesday game tonight, 8 o'clock. Also, TCU's at Texas Tech out in Lubbock. That's also 8 o'clock. So the Big 12 taking some center stage again as far as college basketball goes. I think you also have um, uh, Tennessee at Missouri tonight. UConn's at Creighton in Big East basketball. Boy, I, I did watch, Rod. I didn't mention this yesterday, but I, I did watch – uh, a good bit of that Marquette-UConn game on Saturday, uh-huh. number one versus number four. Yeah. That wasn't close. That wasn't close. Shaka Smart's team got smoked. 
Uh, UConn it looks like they might be better than they were last year when they won the national championship. That's scary. Uh, I mean, Houston, That's UConn. Scary, I, you know, I just can't trust Purdue. I know Purdue is up there with Zach Eady and the. You know, they lost to Ohio State on Sunday. They got beat by the uh, the Buckeyes. who just fired their coach. So uh, just, Matt Painter's teams at Purdue, you just can't trust. I mean, that's one of those teams when you start filling out your bracket, you're mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm not letting you bust my bracket, Purdue. <laughs> that ain't happening. Uh, you think they're a pretender? Well, they, they, they're typically really good in the regular season, but yeah. they, don't, they don't move through the postseason. I mean, they just don't. And, uh, but I do. I mean, UConn looks great. I mean, they've got so much size. Uh, so well coached, uh, and they play Creighton tonight. If you haven't seen the defending national champs, they're twenty-four and two. You might want to check them out tonight. They'll be playing the Blue Jays in Omaha, Nebraska. So college hoops, what's popping tonight, Rod? College hoops is popping. Also, the Longhorn live stream, and I think tonight might be the night, Rod, where I dive into the Apple TV, the uh, the New York Patriots. New England Patriots dynasty. Yeah. The first three episodes, I think, That'll are now out. This is a good night for. I it. might have to get in on that tonight. Yeah, I haven't heard a lot about it actually either. So I want. I think everybody else is kind of waiting to, to start it too, because I haven't heard a ton about it. But yeah, it should come out with another episode this week too. I already started out with two. Should come out with another episode this week. So, uh, yeah, I'll probably, I'll probably start that at one point. I'll probably start it. I'm still working on seeing all of my uh, the best picture uh, nominees. Ooh. So I need to finish that up before the, uh, before the Academy Awards, whenever that is. Uh, but you just watched Oppenheimer for the first time. I, I got a couple other uh, movies that I'm going to watch. And, oh, my, my favorite reality shows is back. I saw that last night, Naked and Afraid. It's on and popping. Oh, yeah. It's perfect time. For hold some, on, hold on. For some some trash TV. What's the what's the what's the caveat this time around? Because my my wife's favorite show returned on Sunday, and that's American Idol. That came back. Oh yeah, so they basically come post post football season. They're like, let's go. Yeah, let's go. Be with the NFL. We got eyeballs. Oh, Naked and Afraid is one of my favorite reality TV shows. They they I think they're in Africa or something. But oh, it's great. It's just it's fantastic. The survival instinct. Oh, they in their butt naked. Oh, out there, got to go hunting and stuff. Oh, all of the problems that arise. No, no, no. it's it's quality. It's quality trash TV. If there's a such thing, if there's a such thing. By the way, one of the contestants on uh, American Idol I saw in the first episode. It's gonna be a good season. Um, is you remember the wide receiver Ricky Prohl played yeah. in the NFL? Oh yeah, for sure. His, his With son, the Cardinals. Yeah. yeah, his son. His son is on there. Yeah. Well, he was one of the first. You know, okay. He's, he's, he's been given a ticket to Hollywood. Because uh, he sang and his grandma was there. And he was he was actually in the NFL but hurt his leg or he was going to be in the NFL and hurt his leg. Uh, but now he's doing singing. Oh, I think it's like go. Nick Prohl or something like that. Yeah, got a, got yeah, a football Rick, connection. Ricky Prohl was a good player. Ricky Prohl was a good player. Yeah. Okay. All right, buddy. Uh, good stuff right there, Rod Babers. Thank you, Ty. Back at the Horn headquarters. T-Y. That was good stuff today. Appreciate all the sound. And we appreciate uh, Jameis Winston. And the lady, the lady that said bench. Bench. <laughs> <Get your, laughs> keep your head in this game, bench. <laughs> I say Bitch. I said bitch. That's one for the archive right there. (laughs) Everybody have a great Tuesday. Jim Rome Show next. Then it's Rich Eisen. Of course, Sports uh, Sports Complex with Patrick Davis at 4 today. Lock it in on 1019 AM 1260. Stream it on the Horn app and always at hornfm.com.